Do you find yourself waiting on a promise that God has made to you that you are just like, when is this sucker gonna move? Like I've been waiting, I've been waiting. God, I feel like life looks like the opposite of what you just promised to me and I'm doing all the things and I'm holding on tight and what the heck is going on here? Well, my guest today, Tiffany Tombry, who has been a guest of this show before and has an amazing show herself called Testimonies with Tiffany, um, she is going to share with us a word called the process to the promise. And y'all listen, she just preached it in four minutes to me and I already just got saved. So you're going to want to listen to this episode. It's super good. Don't go anywhere. It will offer you a lot of hope if you find yourself holding on to some promises God has given you and not yet seeing that thing come to fruition. Don't go anywhere. You're going to want to catch this episode. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. All right, you guys, here I am with Miss Tiffany Tombry, who has been a guest of the show before. Tiffany, hey girl. Hello, Jenna Lee. Thank you for having me back. Oh, you're welcome. And I wanted to have Tiffany on the show because every time I sit with her, I feel like my spirit feels like it just drank a Red Bull because of the way she like is pumped full of the word and just is full of faith. That's really the anointing on her life is for faith and for believing the word of God for God's promises. And so I wanted to pull her in because it is the early part of 2023 and we are all looking ahead with forward eyes and thinking about, you know, the the resolutions we've put in our heart as well as maybe promises God has given you for this year. We're all looking forward and we have God's promises and hope in our heart, just where we're standing right now. And regardless what your year may end up looking like, um, I want to encourage you with the things that is in Tiffany's heart and that she's is going to pull out of the word because it's going to give you strength no matter where you find yourself in your journey. Whether you're looking back at how the Lord has fulfilled promises or whether you're standing in the middle of the desert wondering when the heck he's going to get busy or if you're standing with fresh hope because he just handed you some promises. Any of those places you find yourself today's insights are really going to be refreshing to you. So Tiffany, why don't you kind of just jump us right into this topic of process to the promise. Okay. Yes. So thank you for having me on generally. I'm excited. The The Lord gave me this word in the middle of my process. And um, so I know it's going to be encouraging to those listening. And I, I just want to open with prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be on Java with Jen. God, I, I bless this podcast. God, I, I bless those listening. And God, I pray Second Thessalonians 3 that your word would have free course and be glorified in those mm-hmm. listening yeah. right now, God. And I pray that wherever they are in their process, that they would stay faithful to you and that they would see you rightly as their promise keeper mm-hmm. to you be the glory in Jesus name. Amen. So, so how this came about is, um, back in November, me and my children, we have a small group, me and my husband were facilitators over, and I thought it would be a great idea. If anybody knows me, I love to host. I love, um, my love language is gifts. And so I thought, well, I'm going to make all of our small group, um, leaders, this pumpkin chocolate chip bread. Like who could say no to that? The hostess with the mostest. So I go to the store, I get all of the stuff. Um, it was a very crazy day. I have four kids under seven, three boys, one girl. And I decided that I would bring them into this process in the kitchen. And so I line up all the ingredients. I have the instructions there and I line my kids up on their step stools and we're just going at it, making pumpkin bread and it's it's awesome so I put all the pumpkin bread into the oven get the kids out of the kitchen so I can clean up and the kitchen begins to smell so incredibly wonderful and I am like a kid on Christmas day I'm looking at the timer I'm looking in the oven and I'm watching this pumpkin bread and it's not rising but I thought well it's a new recipe like maybe you know it's not supposed to rise so much so after 50 minutes of baking I pull it out and I set it on the top of the oven and I'm just like, what is wrong with this pumpkin bread? Like there's lots of chocolate chips and that looks amazing, but it didn't rise any. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I'm going to taste it. I remember tasting it. I'm like, okay, not bad. I let my husband taste it. He gives me the thumbs up, but then he replies this. He's like, Tiffany, this kind of looks like wet 
Play-Doh. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to eat something that looks like wet Play-Doh. So I'm like, it, it kind of messed with me through the night hours. I was like, do I really want to make this bread again? Do I, do I really want to bless them? And I just, I really couldn't shake the fact that my bread did not turn out the way it did, it, the way it was intended. And so I just decided Sunday after church, I was going to go back to the store. I was going to get all the ingredients, have it baked before all the people showed up at our house. And so that's what I did. And when I started the process again, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, Tiffany, do you understand the importance of the process? And I just kind of sat there and I was like, Father, I don't understand. He said, well, you missed the main ingredient. And so I went back to the and back to the ingredients and I started looking and I, I recognized what I missed. I missed the baking soda. Baking soda is what causes dough to rise. And the Lord began to speak to me. He said, see, this is what happens when you're in a process. You get so distracted with the things of the world. You get distracted with your own expectation or where you've placed your hope and you don't follow the instruction. The instruction is my instruction, my word, what I've spoken to you, whether it's you know, the Logos or Rhema word, and you, you mess up the process. And so now, and then he began to speak to me. Now you have to go through the process again. And then I began to think, how many times in my life has God promised me something? And I've had to go through lots of pain and messiness that God never intended me to go through because I got distracted in the process because I didn't follow his instruction. I didn't heed and pay clo close attention to what he was trying to show me. And so I, this, this created like a hunger in me to go to the word of God. I'm passionate about the word of God. The word of God says that it's a, it's a, a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. And I look at the Bible as a roadmap. And so I began to go to the word and see what the word said about the process. And I was telling Jenna Lee before we got started, you know, in our Christian circle, a lot of times what happens is we always, we're like the hype girls for the promise. Like, woo, promise. God gave me a promise. Yes God, and amen. Yeah, yes and amen. God's promised me wealth or God's promised me this baby or God's promised me a marriage. God's promised me my, my kids are going to, they're, they're, they're in rebellion, but they're coming home or God's promised me this career or I'm going to be a missionary to the ends of the earth. God's given us these promises. And so we have people in our life, which is very important that we do that are, you know, remember the promise and, and they're just hype, hype, hype. And I said, but a lot of times what happens is we don't want to talk about the process. Mm. We don't want to talk about that. Oftentimes what happens is the process is painful. The process is messy. The process can be frustrating frustrating. The process can look like something that we never intended it to look like. And so as I began to open up God's word and get revelation, I was wrecked. The first thing God showed me was, let's look at the children of Israel. Ah, oh, the children of Israel. We know them really well. What was their promise? God came to them and said, look, I have promised you a land of milk and honey. Milk and honey was representation of prosperity and, and health and just a, a goodness. God promised them his goodness. And he said, all you have to do is follow me. Like, do this, this, and this, and you're going to go to the land of milk and honey. You're going to take down the giants, take the land, and this is what I have for you. And the Bible goes on to say that God declared that they would never enter the promised land because of their unwillingness to submit to the process. Mm -hmm. And so we see that... Wait, wait, pause. Yes. Pause. Sorry, you are on such a roll. I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to extract something here. They were unwilling to submit to the process. The Israelites probably did not recognize that they were having to go through a process. They just had their eyes on promise and goal, right? But they got into complaining. And the complaining is what told the Lord they were unwilling to go through the process. Would you say yeah? Yes. And complaining in the Bible is actually the only, it's the only thing we see that disqualifies you from the promises of God. Mm. Complaining. God says that he heard them complain and said, I'm going to give you the very thing that you're complaining about. Your bodies will lay here and they will die. Now we do know that two people out of them did take, did go into the promised land. And that was Joshua and Caleb. And I love what the Bible says about Caleb. The Bible says that Caleb was a man of a different spirit who fully followed God. They were the only two out of the group of spies that said, we can take this land. We can, we can take hold of our promise. If God be for us with the help of the Lord, we can do that. Mm -hmm. And so, 
Yes, they're complaining, disqualified them, and their unwillingness to see God for who he was. He is the promise keeper, and with his help, they could take that land, and so they were they they did not inherit their promise. And so their unwillingness, our unwillingness can can keep us from the promise. And you're saying, well, what do you mean my unwillingness? Well, maybe you're listening and God has promised you something. And I don't know what it is. It could be marriage, money, health, uh, career, whatever it is. God said, hey, I want to give you this. But there are things attached to it because see, faith without works is dead. And God wants us to co-labor with him. And so God says, I'm going to give you this promise, but you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z to do it. And right now you're just in a place where you're like, yeah, I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. I'm not doing that. I have to go through this to get to that. No, thank you. And that's what the Israelites, they decided. That's the beautiful thing about being in a relationship with God is he's not a dictator. He's going to give you a choice and, and you're going to have to live with the choice you make. And so you find yourself in a process. I want to encourage you to not be like the children of Israel. Do not be unwilling to submit to the process to grab hold of your promise. Mm. And so then we can we can look at Abraham. Abraham is... Wait, 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 wait. You're on such a roll. Hold on. Okay, so I want to just interject there um, because I feel like I, the Lord's been highlighting for me scriptures recently about... I'm believing for a promise to be fulfilled, but the journey has been painful to the point where I felt like it was destroying me. And I didn't know like how to hold on to the prom. It wasn't that I didn't want to hold. It was that I didn't know that I was going to die in the process, like literally die in the, <laughs> die in the process. My heart was going to quit on me. But then I, I found these, because I feel like when we're going through a process, it almost always produces that. I feel like David, we see that in the Psalms. He's like, I am going to die. If you don't do something, God, I'm going to die right here. You know, so many times we see people getting to that point. I mean, Jesus crying to the point of blood, like he felt like he was dying. Like I hadn't gotten to that point, you know. Well, the Lord's been highlighting these passages. Psalm 73, 26, that says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then I, and it's like this progressive, these verses that are in my journal. It's crazy. Isaiah 25, eight, the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. So he's bringing comfort in that place. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. And so like, I'm finding all these passages come up because my, my prayer in my journey to my promise became, Lord, I don't know if I'm I believe you're able. That's not the issue. The issue is how do I walk out this pathway without it being destructive to me to an unnecessary degree? Like, how do I walk this out with wisdom? And so it became like, I became very aware of like my own heart and my own soul and my own processing. And like, is my heart healthy and pursuing heart health and mental health and all these different things. And then I'm finding these passages because I, I, I was coming face to face with my limitation and felt like my limitation is going to prevent me from finishing this path unless I change course. But my only, my only plan, my backup plan, every time I'd present my backup plan to the Lord, I would sense his sadness. And I was like, Lord, why, why do I sense your sadness over my backup plan? And he said, and it wasn't like it wouldn't get me to the promise. And the Lord said, generally, because if you go with your backup plan, you'll still get where you need to get, but it's going to create a lot of pain and turmoil that I don't have planned for your process. Like my prayers kept shifting as I walked through this process. And so he's begun highlighting, I am the strength of your heart. I am the one who will give you the capacity to walk through the process to get, because I feel like the process will bring you to the end of yourself. It's supposed to, right? Yes. Because that's where the anointing is forged is when I meet my my death, if you will, my figurative death, the place where only God can take me to the next place of perseverance. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think about James 1, it says, can, my brothers, consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so oftentimes our process is to perfect patience in us. And it also... That's what the Lord was telling me in my process recently is that I am, my process is essentially like a crushing. And some of you are like, whoa, 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 God and crushing. But when you think about the process of an olive, they, I, I heard, I heard it said like this. So there are 
the people who make olives, you have farmers who will just press the press the olives so much because they want the most olive they can get out of it, that it will damage the olive, it will tear it up, and and the quality of the oil is not as great as if they were to do the process right. The process is, the, the olive is only supposed to be pressed at a certain amount of, like a degree of heat, and it's only supposed to be pressed like one time, and and then that oil is like the purest form of oil. But if you're if you're not cons- wor- uh, worried about quality, then you will press that thing. You will you will just you know squeeze it out. It'll be mangled mess, and you'll get all the oil that you want, and you'll make your money. Yeah. But the quality of it isn't as great. And that's how you can discern between spiritual attacks and your father in a crushing. Is that father knows when to stop. The enemy is ruthless. He doesn't want to stop. And and with that, the Lord told me, he said, Tiffany, you're in a crushing. And a crushing means that a new anointing is coming. And how does this tie into your process and your promise? When you obtain your promise and your, your patience has been perfected in an area, then God brings you people into your life that you can speak from a place of authenticity and vulnerability. You can meet them and you can say, Hey, my faith was strengthened in this area. This is what the Lord did. You can relate to them. You, you have authority in that area to see them have victory. And, and then we know revelation, um, 11, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and a word of our testimony. And so there's so many things that come out of the process. Okay. So I can already hear my listeners asking this question. I'm so glad that that illustration about the olive though was helpful. <laughs> that was that was me that Thank shared you. it with you. Okay. <laughs> um, so how do you know the difference or what do you recognize? Because I feel like the Lord does bring us to a place where it's the end of us. You know what I mean? And it feels like you're being crushed unto death because in some ways you are, Jesus was, right? But but so how do you discern the difference when it's the enemy crushing in an abusive way and when it's the Lord crushing and it's your process to bring out the oil in you? Like when you're in the middle of those experiences, how do you recognize the difference? I think that's a good question. The first thing I think of when I heard, heard you say that is, what is the fruit in this situation being produced? Is the fruit of peace and kindness and love and joy and long suffering being produced? Or is it torment, fear, chaos, um, anxiety, depression? Those to me would be good indicators. If in this situation, I'm feeling fruit that is not godly fruit, then I need to reevaluate some things. God, like, you know, am I, am I the reason why, you know, I'm feeling this or is this, you know, is this the enemy and we need to, I need to have a new prayer strategy. I need to go about it a different way. Um, Also, I feel like when I've gotten to the end of myself in a process, I immediately have friends that I'll reach out to, obviously my husband. Um, And it's in those times, I think about the story of Moses where they're in battle and his hands hands begin to get weighed down and the two guys come over and they lift his arms up. And as long as his arms were lifted, they were winning. But when his arms begin to fall, they begin to lose Mm -hmm. and territory begin to get taken. That, that God has surrounded us. I believe God puts people in our lives during a process so that we won't feel necessarily like we can't go any further, that we can draw on their strength, that we can pull on their hope, that, that essentially they're like the people lifting up our arms and we're going to see a victory. Mm-hmm. You know, because God is a good God. He's not going, he, he's not going to let us die in the process. Right, right. Um, you know, I think about... I'm think as you're saying this, I'm thinking about my own process. And I I realized that the moments where I felt like I was being crushed and I knew and I looking back, the Lord showed me the enemy was trying to take advantage of my process season and he was trying to add his own crushing on top of the Lord's crushing. And so, but I realized that the enemy became had an access way to bring that attack because I got my eyes off of what the Father was doing and onto the destruction and onto what the enemy was doing. And if you look at Caleb and Joshua versus the other guys, they all went through the promised land or they all went through the, the uh, sorry, the, the process. They all went through the desert, 
but they had a different perspective. And then the the ones, if you the ten spies, when they looked into the land, they fixated on how big the giants were, and and their fear snowballed because then they said, surely they'll eat our wives and our children. They'll take our wives and they'll eat our children, and blah blah blah. And there was no indicator in the scripture that that was going to happen. That was their own vain imagination. But Joshua and Caleb, they kept their imagination on what God had done for them in the past and what God was able to do. And they kept their eyes on, oh, well, big giants. Awesome. God's going to do big miracles. So they kept their eyes on the father. And so I feel like, I feel like looking at the fruit of what's being produced of the crushing, but also where are your eyes? Cause that will determine where you steer. Yeah. Where you steer. Exactly. Yeah, where you where you stare is where you steer. Mm. Um, I think it. I think in the middle of the process too, what you're saying, Jenna Lee, is there's a difference between perception and perspective. Mm. And we, the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places, and God wants us to have perspective, not necessarily perception. Perception is the view from the valley. Mm. We're not called to have a view from the valley. We're called to have a view yeah. from heavenly places. Yeah. So it's the a perspective of like, okay, well, there's no problems in the kingdom. There's no problems in the kingdom of God. I heard Graham Cook say this, that there's only possibilities. And so when I find myself in a situation, then what is the possibility? Because with God, all things are possible. Well, this is a opportunity or a possibility for me to encounter God as healer. This is a possibility for me to encounter God as provider. This is an opportunity or a possibility for me to see God make a way in the desert where there seems to be no way. So it's very important that we have perspective and not perception. That's so good. Okay, so let's go into, you had um, given some illustrations of different types of process experiences that we might have. I think that'll help people identify with maybe their unique process where they fall and it'll give them something to look at. Yeah, so with the children of Israel, that's the first one we discussed, is that they were unwilling to submit to the process. So God gives them a promise. I'm going to give you a land of milk and honey. But they chose to complain and have a perception of their current circumstances, which then disqualified them. And God declared, you will not enter. You're not going to get that promise now. So maybe you can identify with the children of Israel. God's given you a promise, but you feel right now an unwillingness to submit to the father in the process. The next one the Lord showed me is Abraham. Abraham is told by an angel of the Lord. He gets brought out into, and it's at night. He gets brought out into the pasture and God says, look up at the stars. Do you see the stars? And Abraham's looking at him and God says to count them. And he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. And we know in the next chapter, chapter 13, the angel returns and tells him that, uh, you know, Hey, I'm going to give you an heir. He reminds him of the promise. I'm going to give you an heir. And he changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And I find this interesting that because back then names were very important. So every time someone called on Abraham, he was being reminded of his promise. Hey, father of many nations. Hey, father of many nations, father of many nations. It was like he could not run from his promise. But we know that later in his story, his wife, his wife, uh, Sarah, at this point, um, is just frustrated with the, the waiting of the promise that, she decides to take matters into her own hands. And we know that from the story, she says, Hey, Abraham, look, I know God told us we were going to have a son. So since my body can't produce what God, you know, had said, why don't you go ahead and sleep with the maidservant Hagar and we'll get our child that way. We know that Abraham goes through with it and Ishmael steps onto the scene. What the Lord showed me about this is maybe some of you can identify with Abraham and Sarah. You have been promised something by the Lord. And you're like 10 years into this. You're 20 years into this. God, you told me that you were going to give me this thing. You told me you were going to do this thing. I've stood on your word, but you have grown weary in the process. You've grown weary in the waiting and you have taken matters into your own hands. And now you have a mess. Let's just be real. I like to call this a hot moment, honest, open, and transparent. Look, I am, I had my eyes on the promise. I got frustrated and I've taken matters into my own hands and now I've got a huge mess on my hands. Well, I have some encouragement for you. The Bible says it's so beautiful. Abraham's having a conversation with God and Abraham's like, God says, hey, I'm going to give you an heir. And, and Abraham's like, oh, that it would be Ishmael, that Ishmael would stand before you and do your deeds. And God literally says, 
no. It's like, no, period. Nope. Nope. That's not what I have for you, Abraham. I've told you that's not what I have for you. I have an heir. And then God goes on to say this. He says, don't, don't worry. I'm going to bless Ishmael. But Sarah is going to give birth to your heir. Do you, like, I feel like God was saying, like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And so then we know that Sarah does have um, uh, Isaac. And, and then we see Abraham 20-something, 30-something years later receiving this promise. And, and then he has to sacrifice. He oh, then yeah. he's tested with this promise. So, so maybe you find yourself in that situation. God's promised you something and you have in the waiting, just made a mess of it. I want to tell you that God will bless that mess, Romans 8, 28, and he'll work it all out for your good and for his glory. And, and then, and then we have Joshua, uh, Joshua. So Joshua and the walls of Jericho, God tells Joshua, look, Joshua, I, I'm going to let you take the city of Jericho, but this is what you have to do. So essentially this was the promise to Joshua. And he says, this is what you're going to have to do. You need to gather the people and you need to march around the walls one time every day for six days. And on the seventh day, you need to gather the priests. They need to have ram's horn, seven of them. They need to march around the walls on the seventh day, seven times. Then they're going to take their seven horns. They're going to blow their horns. And then all of y'all are going to shout, the walls will fall. I'm going to give you the kings and the men of valor. So not only is the wall going to fall, but I'm going to give you all the kings in the land and the men of valor. Okay, so Joshua's promise was pretty radical. Like he's going to get the city and the men of valor and the kings. But Joshua had to react without hesitation. His promise was contingent on doing some things that, if you ask me, are kind of like, they're absurd. They're crazy. And so maybe you find yourself in a process right now where like God, God's saying, hey, I've got this promise for you, but I need you to do this and this and this, and then I'm going to give you the promise. And you're thinking, uh, my husband's not going to approve or my kids are going to think I'm crazy. My coworkers, like what, when I stand up and I say this or I do that, my coworkers are going to think like I've gone to the nut house or maybe it's, um, you know, whoever in your sphere of influence that, that you care about the way that you look in front of the Lord, he's asking you to do something crazy. And I want to encourage you to, like Joshua, re react without hesitation when the Father speaks and just do what he's called you to do because your promise is contingent on it. Um, and, and then we have Joseph. Joseph is probably one of my favorites. And, and I think a lot of people can relate to Joseph. Joseph, Joseph at the age of 17 is given dreams and, and his dreams, God was giving him promises. And in the dream, he sees, um, he, he knows that he's going to be rulers over nations and that his family is going to bow to him. And, and so at 17, he has this dream and he shares it with his family. And his process is messy. Oh. I mean, his process, I, I was, when I shared this before, I was like, dude, this process sucked. Yeah. Period. Like <laughs> his process sucked. So at 17, this, this young boy is excited because God has revealed some things to him and he shares them with his family and his family out of jealousy and hatred and despise decide to plot against him and to get rid of him. So what do they do? They throw him in a pit. But then they think, well, that's not good enough. So we're going to sell him into slavery. So Joseph has this dream. His family betrays him. They're, they're jealous. They don't like him. They want nothing to do with him. He gets sold into slavery. From slavery, though, the hand of the Lord is on him. And he begins to have favor with everywhere he goes. The Bible says the favor of God all, was always with him. We know that he, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Um... And the, the, the king, the Pharaoh and Potiphar's wife, and he's, he's like second in command and he's doing his thing. And then what happens? Potiphar, Potiphar's wife decides to have, uh, lie about him, accusations about him, begins to slander his character, begins to assassinate who he is. And he ends up in prison and not just any prison, but dude, like the king's prison, that was like a whole new level of like torment and yuckiness. So he finds himself in a place that he did it like he, he was faithful in the process. He was faithful to God. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of honor. He held the dreams in his heart that God had gave him. And, and we know this to be true because again, the Bible says that favor followed him. God gave him favor, even with the, 
the people in the prison, he had favor. And so we know it goes on. There's the king has dreams and he, the cup bearer, he has a, um, an interaction with the cupbearer. Cupbearer forgets about him for two years. And then the king's like, oh, I have a dream. And he gets, he remembers Joseph and brings Joseph before him. And he interprets the dream. And we know that he takes over and um, he finally, the promise is fulfilled. Finally, his promise is fulfilled. But, but Joseph's process was messy. He, he had family who betrayed him. He had his character and things that were said against him that were not true, yet he remained faithful. And, and so maybe you can relate to Joseph. And I love what the Bible says about Joseph. In Genesis 50, it says this, that God made Joseph fruitful in the land of his affliction. And I want to encourage you today that God is making you fruitful in the land of your affliction, in the land of your process, in the land of, if, of your process when things, when you're like, Tiffany, I have been faithful to God. I have stood on his word. I have prayed him sacrificial praise when I didn't want to. I have clung to him. I have done what he's asked me to do. I've turned the other cheek. I've let Judas kiss me, but I have not received my promise. I want to say, hold on that God is going to come through. He is going to come through. And, and just uh, Joseph in Genesis 50, it also says this, what the enemy meant for bad, God used for good. And the same is true about your process. Whatever the enemy has set out to, to harm you, God is using it for your good. He's setting you up for a comeback. He's setting you up to receive the promise that he's spoken over you. And the last one, generally, that's, that's my favorite that the Lord led me to. And the word is Jesus. Jesus to me had the ultimate process, the, the most grueling process. We, we look at Jesus and he left glory. He left his rightful place in heaven to be born in a manger. I always think that this is fascinating. Like Jesus didn't come at like 13 or 14. Like he came through a woman. Like he went through the birthing process. He did all of the things that we have done. And, and he walked this earth sinless. He, he, he walked this earth. He, he overcame the things that, that we are going through. And, and on his way to Calvary, he could have called down legion of angels. He could have at anywhere during his process. And his, his process was 33 years. In 33 years, he could have said, hey, God, like, uh, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, well, we see it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, take this cup, Lord. But if it be your will, I'll drink from it. So he was real with the Father, but he still submitted to the Father in the process. And, and why did he? What was his promise? What was his promise? You listening, you were his promise. If you're listening right now, you were the joy set before Christ that he endured his process. You, you listening, me, I was the joy set before him. Jenna Lee was the joy set before him that he endured his process. He stayed faithful to the father. He carried the weight of the sin of the world upon him. His, the Bible says that his body was beyond recognition, that his body was marred, that he was spit on, he was mocked, he was betrayed, he was made fun of. He, he The very hair on his beard was pulled out. A crown of thorns was placed on his head that, like Janelle said, he cried tears. He did all of this. And I believe every step of the way that he was paraded through these people, that your face was set before him. And he said, I will endure this process. I will take another step. I will take another lash. I will, I will taste the blood that runs down my face because the faith, the face set before me, my promise set before me, I am going to endure because I'm going to get what the father promised me. And so I, I think it's a beautiful picture of, of going through the process, enduring. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no better way. Um, I look at Jesus and I'm like, man, he, that process, like if he can do it, if Jesus can endure what he endured and received his promise, then I can endure. I can, I can submit to the father so that I can I can receive my promise. And the, and the truth of the matter is, Jenna Lee, we're always in a process because mm -hmm. once, one, once God gives us a promise, then he gives us another one. And we set out on another journey through another process to obtain another promise. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe part of the process in the heart of the Father is that we would come to know him. Mm 
we would come to know him. I heard it said like this, the names of God are, are opportunities for, to encounter him in the name. So Jehovah Rapha, it's an opportunity to encounter him as the healer. Jehovah Jireh, it's an opportunity to encounter him as God, the provider. And through our series of processes to our promise, it's opportunity for us to encounter God in a new way, for our character to be made more in the image of God, for our patience to be perfected. And again, like just getting back to the word of God and like, God, what are, maybe you're listening and you're like, I don't have promises. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I believe that the Lord, well, we know that the Bible is full of promises, but I believe that God has personal promises for you. And I would encourage you after this podcast to take some time and sit before the Lord and ask him, what are my promises? And, and, and maybe, maybe you can relate to the children of Israel, or maybe you relate to Abraham, Joshua, Joseph, or even Jesus. I I feel like Jenilee in a sense can relate to Jesus that she literally thought she was going to die in her process that asking father, like, what, what are you, what are you trying to teach me in this process? Where do you want my eyes to be stayed on in this process? What area of my heart? I love David. David always took inventory of his heart. Psalm 139 says, oh, that you would search my heart and know me. If there's any wicked way in me, cleanse me. That, that we should constantly have an inventory of our heart before the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and our process oftentimes will bring out stuff that's like yucky. Mm-hmm. And God's like, oh, this is a place in the process says that I want to deal with, that I want to set you free, that I want to make you more into the image of me. And then when we've obtained the process, it's an opportunity then to, to share our hope with others, to testify the faithfulness of God. And, and again, just to meet him as the promise keeper. That's so good. If you don't, if you don't feel like you're carrying any promises in your heart, I would encourage you to go spend some time with the Lord asking like, why, why do I not? Because what we see throughout scripture is he gives promises to all of his children. It's part of the covenant with him. All of his promises are yes and amen. So whether it's a scripture that keeps coming across your radar that offers hope, or, or if it's a dream God put in your heart from childhood, or whether it's something that has been prophesied over you or whatever, there are promises. They are there. And, and if you feel like, well, I don't have any promises, I want to propose that possibly your heart grew weary of hoping at some point because the word does say that hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life and sometimes when hope is deferred we're hoping for something for a long 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 time and it keeps not happening we can begin to subscribe to the belief that it's not going to happen and it actually makes our heart sick where we don't want to hope anymore because hope feels dangerous because hope lets us down. But the reality is, if you give up hope in your life, you are already on the path of death because hope is what keeps us alive. You know, hope is what keeps us pushing for tomorrow. And so if you are in that place, actually, I want us to pray at the end of this episode. um, But if you find yourself in that place where you've just gone through so much hardship that you feel like you don't have hope anymore, I want to encourage you to take some time alone with the Lord and present that to him however you need to in your full honesty be fully honest and take the time to get ugly honest with with why not why you feel like your heart has ceased to hope or ceased to believe in the promises and present that to the father because in those places I find that when I've come to him just like with my broken hope he does not meet me with accusation condemnation or disappointment he meets me with so much compassion because he knows what it's like to walk that path. He knows what it's like to to struggle for the promise. But yet he also knows that the 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 thing that allows us like even in my own journey <clears throat> when I felt like I I the process was going to kill me, I never quite gave up because at the end of the day, even if I wasn't sure about the promises I was believing for, if I wasn't sure about the, the, the choices I was making or the steps I was taking to get there or if I was on the right path or if I had been disillusioned all these years or whatever, what I did know is that I knew my God and he was my best friend. And he is the one that I've always been able to count on. He's always come through. And so if anything, I could hold on to who he is. And that was enough to give me hope to at least keep praying into how to figure this thing out. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so even if you find yourself where you feel like you don't have hope or the strength to hope, I just want to encourage you to bury yourself in the Father himself. Forget about the promises. Forget about the process. Forget about the end destination. That's no longer what it's about. What it's about and what it's always been about is you in love with the one who made you. You in love with the one who died for you. Because in him, he is our reward. The word says that he is our true reward. And so really falling in love with him, pursuing him, forgetting all the fringe stuff, but just pursuing him, buried in him is where you will find the full the fullness of the things you've been hoping for. And um and so, do you have any any last thoughts you wanted to throw on? Yeah, I want to just put out this last thing. Deferred hope makes the heart sick. Something that I've had to do inventory on my heart lately is why is my heart sick in this particular area? in my process. And the Lord began to show me that my hope was a, see the Bible says this, if you're, if your hope is in anything else than Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Your hope has to be in Jesus Christ. And so the Lord began to show me that my heart was sick because my hope deferred, my hope was not in him because when my hope is in him, your heart can't be sick. So my hope was in, oh, well, if I do this, then I'll get this. If I do this, then I'll do this. You know, then I'll receive this. And so I want to encourage you, if you if you feel like your heart is sick, evaluate where you've placed your hope. Because I'm pretty sure you might have misplaced it like me. I misplaced my hope. And I had to just sit with the Father and repent and then put my hope back in Christ that no matter if I got that promise, no matter what the next hour looked like or tomorrow looked like, I was going to put my hope in Jesus that just like Jenna Lee said, he is the lover of me. He created me. He died for me. He loves me. And my hope is in him. And so if your heart is sick, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, where have I placed my hope? Mm-hmm. And then just repenting for putting your hope in something other than Jesus and putting it back in its its rightful place. Mm, that's so good. Okay, well, don't go anywhere because we have a life hack coming up in just a moment. And then we're going to close out this episode praying over all of you who may, may be finding yourself in that place of hope deferred. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> Okay, so here we are with a couple of life hacks. I'm going to share the first one. Tiffany's going to share the second one. Okay, so this is something I do when I don't want to make dinner, like a whole dinner. I'm just not in the mood to cook, but I want something kind of fabulous that's nutritious. I will go through my fridge and pull out lunch meat, sliced cheeses or cube cheeses or string cheeses or whatever, and then fruits and little vegetables. I'll cut them all up, put them on a tray, and call it a charcuterie board. Grab some crackers out of the cabinet, or if you don't have crackers, you can do chips, or you can do cut up tortillas in little tiny wedges and put dip out. I mean, like, it's the easiest way to make a dinner that looks like you slaved, but you never had to. And Tiffany, I say that because Tiffany's the queen of charcuterie <laughs> boards. She, I, I was over there the other night just to visit, and she goes over in the kitchen, and she comes over and she has this little wooden tray, this little charcuterie spread she put together for us. It was cute. Okay, Tiff, what's yours? Okay, life hack number two. We were talking about the process to the promise. One thing that you can do is when you wake up in the morning, you cultivate a heart of thankfulness, of gratitude. Um, I, my husband traveled with an evangelist that would, that would always say this, an unholy people is an unthankful people. And so we are holy people. So we need to be thankful. So mm-hmm. keeping our eyes on the promise keeper is just waking up and telling him, God, thank you for giving me breath today. Thank you that your mercies are new every day. Again, it's calling his word back to remember. It's thank you, God, that you give me dominion over time. Thank you for um, organizing my day. You know, whatever the Lord begins to put on your heart, but just thanking him. It's mm-hmm. Again, we talked about perception and perspective. It's putting things in perspective that we are to be grateful that it's a new day and that it's full of possibilities. Remember, um, with God, all things are possible. And, um, you know, I heard it said like this too. Um, every day is a new day. So we don't want to carry old blessings into a new day because there's new blessings for today. We don't want to carry old mercies into a new day because limitations three says there's new mercies. So I, I challenge you with this life hack to just, um, cultivate a heart of thankfulness. It will change 
your perception to mm. perspective. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, when we talked about how not getting crushed by the enemy's crushing, but allowing it to just be the Lord's crushing, part of how you do that is by keeping your eyes on the Father and on what He is doing as opposed to what the enemy is doing. And gratitude does that. Tiffany and I were talking about how gratitude is like the antidote for all things. Like, it's the antidote against offense. It's the antidote against sin. It's against uh, unbelief, against pride, against gossip. It's literally the antidote to all the things. And so being able to train your brain to just look for abundance. Like even if I can't mm-hmm. think of things I'm grateful for, I can look around and, and focus on things that are abundant. So like I was driving down the highway practicing this and I was like, okay, boys, what do we see in abundance? And I was like, I see an abundance of trees and I see an abundance of grass and water. And, you know, I was just like listing all the things, but it, it shifts your brain to a more positive space where then you can begin to enter that place of gratitude more easily and more naturally. And um, yeah, that does, it does wonders. And it, and it, it, it actually really overcomes the darts the enemy throws, which come through fear, come through overwhelm, come through intimidation, come through insecurity. But when you're focused on gratitude, then his, his little snares don't even hit the same because gratitude kind of like puts them out. I think the biggest thing it does for me too is it cultivates a heart of faith. I begin to yeah. ha- like, oh my gosh, God did this and this and this. And I remember the time that he did this. And if he did it, then he'll do it again. Cause he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's a total game changer. Total game changer. That's what Joshua and Caleb did. So there's your life hack. So we want to pray right now for, I'm gonna let Tiffany do the praying again. Cause she's just fire. And um, we're going to pray for those of you who may be finding yourselves in a spot where you feel like your hope is deferred. You've been walking this journey. You've been in this process and you don't know when the breakthrough is coming and you just need a shift in your heart, in your perspective, in your, in your hope. And so we're going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you so much that you are the promise keeper, that you are who you say you are and you do what you say you do. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come before you, God, and and to make requests known. And so, Father, I pray for those listening, every man, woman, and child that's hearing my voice. I pray that the Spirit of God is descending on them right now, that your love is is beginning to envelop them, that they're feeling a tangible move of your love right now, God. I thank you that your word says perfect love cast out all fear. So mm-hmm. I command your love to go to those places and that it is penetrating where fear is trying to take up residency. And I say no in the name of Jesus, that perfect love is casting that place out right now. God, I thank you for the process. We thank you that the process perfects our patience, that through the process, the fruits of the spirit are cultivated. I thank you that through the process, our faith is strengthened, that we might encourage others. I thank you, God, that you are with us. I thank you, God, that just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were in the fire in their process and everyone around them saw a fourth person standing with them and it was said that it was the son of man and that when they came out of the fire they didn't even smell like smoke i thank you that those listening are going to come out of the process not smelling like the process they're not going to be smelling like frustration or depression Mm. or um anxiety or weariness or hopelessness they're not going to smell like that what they're going to smell like is jesus Mm. they're going to have an anointing that's precious and powerful. God, I thank you that they're going to smell like hope and they're going to smell like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. God, I thank you. Lord, I pray right now for those who who are like, I don't know that I have any promises. God, I pray that you'd begin to speak with them as they take time to get in your presence. You would begin to give them promises that they can stand on, that they would come to know you as the promise keeper, Father. I pray for those who have been weary in the wait and have take matters into their own hands like Sarah and Abraham, God, that you will clean up that mess. I thank you that Jesus is the greatest stain remover. I thank you, Father, that you will bless that mess. Romans 8, 28, you will work all things together for their good and your glory because they have been called. God, I thank you for those who are like Joshua that need to make the move. They need to do what you've called them to do, that their promise is contingent on it. God, I pray that a spirit of boldness would come on them to just react without hesitation, to do what they... You have called them to do, and I declare over you right now, if this is you, 
I declare, John 10, that you hear the voice of your father yeah. and you do not follow the voice of another. Yeah. God, I thank you for those that feel like Joseph. God, I pray for your comfort to come around them where they feel like they have been faithful to you in the process, but they have, their process has been completely unfair. I pray, God, Matthew 5, that blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, that through this process they have mourned because of the unfairness, the things that, that have been done to them, God. But I thank you that you're comforting them. I thank you that you're reassuring them. I thank you, God, that, that your goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. Mm -hmm. I thank you, God, that they will walk in to their promise. Mm -hmm. God, I pray for those that are like the children of Israel, God, and I pray right now that their heart would be turned to you, mm -hmm. that that unwillingness be broken in the name of Jesus, yeah. that they will surrender to your will yeah. and to your way, that they find joy and delight in you, and that, that their love for you would compel them to say yes to the process, mm -hmm. that they would not be disqualified from their process. Process, but they, they would walk into that land of milk and honey. Mm -hmm. And God, I pray, Lord, for for those um, that, that can identify with you, that they feel like this process is about to break them, that they feel like they could literally cry tears of blood. God, I pray, Lord, that your mercy is upon them. I thank you that it is upon them, God. I pray that Limitations 3 would resonate in them day and night, that your mercies are new every morning. Your mercies are new every morning. God, and that th that they would just fix their eyes on you, that they would be like Peter, that they would be able to walk on the water of their adversities, that they'd be able to walk on the water of their circumstances. I declare that Satan is under their feet, that they're more than an overcomer in you, Christ Jesus, that the joy joy set before them, they may endure. God, I pray that you would remind them of the joy that's set before them, that they may endure, that they will receive their promise, God. I thank you for your promises, and I declare all of your promises are yes and amen. Mm. I declare victory over everyone listening to my voice in the matchless name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. And I want to leave you guys with this one passage as a promise if you need somewhere to start. Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So that is a promise you can start with. If you find yourself weary in your process, he promises to increase your strength and give power to the faint. You guys, thanks for listening to today's episode. Tiffany, where can they connect with you if they wanted to get more of what you're given? Um, I have a podcast, like she mentioned, Testimonies with Tiffany, I think on all streaming platforms. And um, I am an author and have a guided scripture journal line that you can check out. You can go to my website at www.travisandtiffanytombre.com. Amen. And I will put that, amen. I will put that in the show notes so you guys can click that easily. Otherwise, share this episode with somebody. If it encouraged your heart, man, this could be life to someone you just don't even know. So shoot this message or shoot this episode over to a friend. And don't forget, come connect with me over on Instagram at Java with Jen. See you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.